Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, my name is John Negroni, I'm the film editor for The Young Folks, and from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's a news and entertainment writer over at Collider.com. It's Will Ashen. Hey, Will. Hey. Well, you, you doing okay? You seem you seem a little under the weather this morning. I, I don't know. It, it, it just seems like you seem a little bit more measured. Usually when we do these things, you're like super energetic, super like clapping your hands and everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm just clapping like a seal. I'm yeah. just going nuts. You uh, love Cinemaholics. Yeah. You're not even wearing your Cinemaholics shirt. Yeah, I'm not this time, but, uh, you know, I had to dress down because I guess last week I was in a suit or something, uh, per your estimation. So I got a tuxedo. A bit, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got to be a little bit uh, humbled, I guess, this time. That's cool. I mean, I, yeah, you can wear whatever you want. It's casual Monday. Sure. Uh, we, we enjoy mm-hmm. we enjoy doing this show from home. You know, it's one of those it's yeah. one of the perks of doing Cinemaholics. We don't have to show up mm-hmm. to a studio. Right. We don't have to. Yeah, we don't have to do the song and dance. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, I should have maybe dressed up because this is a, a big ep, supposedly. The biggest episode of 2022. That's what we're saying. Yeah, we're going to we're going to go out and just say this is our biggest episode, whether it is or not. We're going to um, we're going to act like it is. Yeah, we did. We, we we kind of like related to that. We were talking earlier this week about our most it's it's halfway through the year almost. Right. And Pretty our much. most popular episode of Cinemaholic so far. We were just kind of having a little bit of fun about that being sing to um, which came out. Uh, I guess that came out tail came out tail end of December and mm-hmm. we released our episode on it like first week of January. Right. And that's that's our biggest episode of the year. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because like nobody else wanted to talk about that they didn't want to sing sing two's praises we didn't right. even praise the film that much i guess i don't I yeah i, I mean like you know your other big film podcasts you know insert big film podcast name here whichever one someone wants to list they're not likely to cover sing two they're probably going to dismiss it as you know whatever like that's it's another illumination movie whatever we don't need it was to talk a huge about hit but it. people weren't like talking about it right yeah well at least not in our circles but you know that was a big film like you said like it's uh i it took me like a week to see it not with no exaggeration be like i could not get a ticket to that film for a calendar week it was the hottest ticket of 2021 <laughs> i don't know i mean sure. it was it was a, a tough film to see because the demand was high at least in my area so uh you know it, it it was a popular film and everyone was just uh dying to hear my anecdote about uh meeting the writer director of the film garth jennings so i think that's what it was yeah yeah that was that was a big that was a big parable to uh insert into the the show that's where the word of mouth came from right that's where the water cooler conversation came in they're like have you listened to the their review of cinema or uh, their review of yeah, we're gonna review cinemaholics review of sing two and they're like oh no i haven't got to it's like well you gotta drop what you're doing and listen <laughs> yeah. to it i don't care if you have yeah. kids this weekend and you're supposed to spend some quality mm-hmm. time with them you can tell your ex-wife right like you got you got cinemaholics to catch up mm-hmm. on uh I don't think we had a, as hard of a time getting into Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, we both had screenings for it, but it did make a bunch of money this weekend. That yeah, said, but, it didn't uh, make so yeah. much money that people are mm-hmm. saying like, oh, this is going to be the biggest. It's, I think it fell short of Fallen Kingdom, the last Jurassic World film. Just a little wow. bit. Fell short of Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, I didn't uh, didn't expect that. Yeah, I mean, it's making, I mean, look, Fallen Kingdom made a lot of money. Sure. Uh, it's opening weekend was, I think, like 148, 149 million domestically. Sure. 
and Jurassic World Dominions is like 143, 144. And yeah, like I think Top Gun Maverick, I think that's going to be the number one film of the summer. I I just I don't see it's already at like 400 million. It's about to pass Doctor Strange if it hasn't already. And I just I I don't know what other movie is going to catch up to it. This is amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the fun of uh, the summer movie season. Yeah, none of us had it that high, right? Like, I, uh, I don't think you had it very high on your personal prediction. Yeah, list. I mean, I didn't. I don't know if I ever actually did an official list, but I think I had like at six or maybe seven. I, I had it in six my is top where I had it ten, but I don't think I had it in my top five. Now I know people who had it higher. Like, um, my wife actually did a list too. Uh, I don't know if I told you, but Melissa had it at number three, and she, I think, she and somebody else I know had it at number three, the highest of anybody. And I'm like looking at that and just being like, what a profit, you know, <laughs> like that's way higher than anybody else. But yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll see, though. We'll see. I just yeah. think Jurassic World Dominion is going to drop and drop and drop because the reviews aren't good. Uh, yeah, it's not, not a good positive. film. Uh, and that's my review of the film. <laughs> um, uh, no, I mean, it's 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 not a great film. Uh, the reviews have not been kind to it. Uh, I haven't really seen a lot of enthusiasm uh, from people in my personal life outside of film reviewing uh, that have been eager or enthused to see it. Like, they'll see it, but they're not like, oh, yeah, I got to see that new Jurassic yeah. World movie. They're like, well, I better see that. I've seen the other ones. You know, I got to see the dinosaurs on the big screen. Right. But it just doesn't seem like it's ri- driving a lot of uh, momentum. Whereas I, with I'm Top in same, Gun, I, yeah. I'm in the same boat because, yeah, like I don't know anybody who has seen it and has loved it. Now, I'm sure they're out there. There's probably tons of people who are like, no, this movie is fantastic. I love it. But nobody I know is saying that. And that is a weird sign because I definitely well, mm-hmm. it was kind of the same thing with Fallen Kingdom. But I remember that first Jurassic World. People were like, oh, my gosh, I, you yeah. know, it's so great. I got to see the dinosaurs. The park is open. Right. I mean, I don't know. Jurassic World is not a movie that I loved. Uh, we'll talk. I, I'm sure we're going to do our like rankings or whatever of the films in a little bit. Um, but Jurassic World, not a movie I hate like some people do, but not a movie I love. But I remember going to the screening of that film very vividly because uh, the movie's happening. You know, people are, you know, responding to it, but nothing seems out of the ordinary while the movie is happening. Mm-hmm. And the credits are rolling. I kind of casually turned to my friend who I went to screening with. And I was shrugging my shoulders like, yeah, I guess, you know, that was all right. Whatever. Uh, credits like the mid credits stop. There is like a lull, like a space, a pause in the room, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then suddenly the room erupted in applause. Like this, the floor was shaking. That's how loud <laughs> people. And this was just like a press. Like, what? Nobody from the film or the cast or anything was in the room, but they were just like, you know, clapping. Huh. They're loving it. So I was like, okay, this movie's going to make like a billion dollars. Like clearly yeah. people are back. They want the dinos on the big screen. They were enthused. But yeah, for some reason, Fallen Kingdom, uh, not a film like I'm like champion of, but I would say it was like probably on par if maybe a little bit better than Jurassic World. And I was like, yeah, you know, whatever kind of struck my shoulders again after that one. Uh, and I don't remember the audience response that to screening. So I guess that goes to show you that people just weren't really crazy about that film. Uh, and momentum has died not only for the Jurassic World uh, sub-series, but just I think people have been reevaluating Jurassic World, kind of came back to where I was, which is like, yeah, you know, that wasn't really uh as great as we kind of 
made out to be when it came out. Uh, but I think I mean, it, was, bit, it was an event yeah. movie. I mean, we shouldn't undersell it at the time. It was a big event. I didn't see it at a press screening. I saw I'm it. Not, uh, I saw it under, live. I saw it with a crowd, yeah. and they were Why into it. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't think I'm underselling. If anything, I'm uh, saying exactly what you're saying. Like people were loving that movie when I saw it. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know. Like a, a standing ovation seems a little weird, but I, they weren't I standing. That's what I'm saying. They were seated and erupting applause. Like they were <laughs> like, yeah. I, I I will say like Force Awakens had a much bigger reaction. I remember that. Like I remember Force Awakens was like people in the audience were on cloud nine. Jurassic World. I just feel like people were having more of a casual blast. It was weird, um, but I did too. I like I remember watching it, and yeah, I was I was not super in love with that movie um just because like for example like the kids and the divorce plot and there's a lot of stuff in that movie i was like whatever um like raptors for the military which i got they got they kind of just really bring back in this one but meta yeah, commentary no. about the franchise from jake johnson <laughs> in the control room that stuff I, that stuff was like the energy the kind of mood that i was fine with because i was like yeah just be silly and oh, dumb like i remember hating jake johnson's character I don't really? hate Jake Johnson. I mean, as an actor, I think he's fine. I thought his character was loathsome. I wanted okay. a dinosaur to eat him. <laughs> I feel like he got he he definitely got uh, worse than getting eaten by a dinosaur. He got rejected by Lauren Lapkus or whatever. I don't even remember. I just remember every time he was on screen, I was just like, "Shut up! Don't say a single thing. Jeez. Don't make another quip." That's I don't want to hear the it. kids in that movie. Um, no disrespect to the actors, but I was okay with the younger kid, the older jaded uh, teen. I was like, whatever. I don't like he his enthusiasm for the film, or rather lack thereof, was kind of mirroring my response. Just like whatever, <laughs> we're seeing dinosaurs again. I guess that's cool. Whatever. But look, it was fun to see the actual park open. It was fun to see the dinosaurs kind of like unleashed on like a bunch of tourists it was interesting now there were a couple moments sure. like where the babysitter for some reason got like an extremely elaborate death scene right <laughs> that, yeah, that very was strange very i remember even at the time i was like this seems excessive like yeah what? there there were all kinds of weird errors in that movie right like there was the whole thing where bryce Dallas well, Howard was... is like in heels the whole time there's like the excessive yeah. product placement that was like sort of it felt like they were trying to do a commentary but without earning it I guess. Right. But then there were moments where like Jimmy Buffett has the margaritas in his hands. Well, what a, <laughs> that is the best scene in the movie. I don't know what you're, I don't know if you're saying I, no, that's, but a that's what I'm saying is like, it's, it's a memorable movie, right? Like it's so memorable. I, I, um, I just think there was so much about it that like stuck in my head. You say it's memorable seven years, but like, tell me three things about Owen Grady's character. He is a Han Solo type. He is very sensitive is with the no, Raptors. Sen- well, he's sensitive to blue. He's not I thought he was pretty sensitive with all the Raptors. Like you could tell that he really loves them, but like fears them. And there was something kind of interesting about that. Um, and yeah, I, I think he was a kind of a fearless guy, you know, like he was willing to kind of, I mean, he was fearful and fearless at the same time. Um, I do remember his whole relationship with Claire, the Bryce Dallas Howard thing. It was just so clearly doing the like Han Solo and Leia thing, uh, but without any if of you the say chemistry. So. I don't know. I just remember they were both just like a blank slate in that movie. I think Bryce Al Howard, Bryce Dallas Howard walked away a little bit better because her performance, I think, was fine. I think it was just her character that was underwritten. I thought Chris Pratt was pretty wildly miscast in that film. It seemed to be. I couldn't a, disagree more. I actually thought he was in that first movie. I thought he was really, really engaging. 
Oh, I got to disagree with you there then. I thought it was a complete misunderstanding of his uh, star appeal in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Which was well, like that's kind the thing. Of, I think it yeah. was a different energy he was bringing, which was what I appreciated. I, I was getting a little bit of that, like, oh, we're going to get Chris Pratt fatigue pretty soon, aren't we? Uh, I was definitely starting to feel that in 2015, which is kind of funny in retrospect. I guess. But, I mean, I don't even hate Chris Pratt. Like, some people really hate Chris Pratt. I think he's, you know, as an actor, I think he's I just got nothing against the fine. guy. I just, I think yeah. he's really good in the Guardians movies, and I think he's really good in the Lego movies, like, as voice actor. Sure. Um, I saw, I thought the the backlash kind of came from Jurassic World because it, it seemed like he was miscast. It seemed like it wasn't really playing to his strengths as an actor. Uh, and it just seemed like they were trying to like tamper down what made Chris Pratt appealing as a uh, newly fledged uh, movie star. Which again is where I disagree. I think that he was kind of like a vulnerable, like engaging adventure character. Like he felt hmm. like, oh, he could kind of like bite it, but he's so like charismatic and he's so like carrying the film in terms of what? being the protagonist hero that what? I thought it was it was different for a Jurassic World movie. I felt like it wasn't just like the Alan Grant kind of being like stoic and like, I don't want kids and kind of being a little bit more of like, all right, he's a little bit. Of, he's more of a young buck. He's a little bit more of like a guy who is going to kind of do outrageous action hero stuff. And I thought it was fun. So, yeah, I disagree. That- that goes against the Han Solo thing that you were trying to say before. Like Han Solo is kind of like the jaded, you know, I, I'm not really about this. Well, the Han Jurassic Solo World thing Soul I was talking. Thing. No, I was talking more about the relationship thing between him and Bryce Dallas Howard's character. Not really the story arc or like the character arc. I don't In know, terms man. of I, him being like a roguish type, that's kind of where that ends. I don't I don't see what you see in Chris Pratt in that first movie, but I, I'm glad you got something out of it. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people did, but that's the thing, though. Once you get to Fallen Kingdom and then Dominion, it's just like the diminishing returns are real with the guy. I I just think that they kind of just turn him into like a seasoned like, you know, that's when he starts to get more cynical. That's when he starts to get a little bit, especially in Dominion, where he really stops being as fun. And I'm like, that's the thing. It's like Jurassic World. It needs to be fun. <laughs> it's, it just uh, Jurassic Park in general needs to be fun. I was looking at the box office, too, uh, and how they've like compared over the years, because I was like, well, the first Jurassic Park, I feel like that has probably made a ton of money because of all the re-releases and the fact that that was like, you know, one of the best blockbusters ever made. Uh, I saw that it made, if you count everything, over a billion dollars which a lot of that is 1993 money or like, you know, 2000 money or when, you know, all the different times it came out in theaters again, which is kind of a just wild to me that that first movie was so critically well received. I think it's, a, you know, genuinely one of the greatest blockbusters ever made and it was super successful. And, and I just think in every category, I mean, I know there it has its naysayers. Like there are some people who are a little like harsh on it, I guess. But I mean, that's the thing is like, can we ever expect another Jurassic Park? I don't think so. And I, I don't I, I don't have that expectation at all at this point. I'm well beyond expecting that. Yeah, I mean, that's a great irony about the Jurassic Park films is that like the, the whole thing about it is that you can't really play God like man can't like uh, mess with nature, you know, like Frankenstein. We're, we're do, yeah, well, sure. That was, Frankenstein. Whole, that was Michael Crichton's inspiration for the book. Sure. Wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, like the Lost World, like this idea of like, um, you know, like kind of like an Arthur Doyle sort of thing. Like you can't you can't mess with nature. You can't really uh, man can't impose its will onto something that should be natural and free. Uh, 
you know, nature needs to take its course. Uh, you know, we can't, you know, uh, will something great into existence as man, you know, like a lot of these things are inherent to that first film. They, they're expanded upon not greatly in the lost world, the sequel to Jurassic park, which I don't know, maybe you, you're super keen on Jurassic park, uh, too. I'm not sure, but, uh, I, I, yeah, I think that first movie is, a one million success like you cannot recreate steven spielberg could recreate you could try to recreate that movie a hundred times i don't think he'd ever get to that level again like it just it's a miracle of a film uh like you said one of the best blockbusters ever made and the irony of it is that (laughs) everyone keeps trying to recreate that success uh and just they keep failing to either mediocre or less than mediocre results Okay, uh, are we going to do a ranking here, including sure. Dominion? I want to. Sure, let's I do really it. I really want to. Okay, you want to start or do you want me to start? Uh, if I start, you're just going to get upset. I, I, okay. <laughs> it depends on how you want to. Uh, well, I mean, we both got uh, Jurassic Park at number one, right? I'd be shocked if you didn't I, have. I actually, no, yeah, of course. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, uh, let me. <laughs> okay, do no, I no. like kind of go like back and forth? Like I do two, you do two, or do you want to do it like... Uh, you say your whole ranking, I say my whole ranking. I think let's let's do I say my whole ranking, you do your whole ranking. Okay, go ahead. Let's go for it. All right. At number one, I've got the first Jurassic Park. Shocker. Easy. I think you do too. Sure. Um, <clears throat> maybe, maybe we do do it like one by one. I'll do my number two, you do your number two. All right. Yeah, that's where it's going to get interesting. Sure, sure. Yeah. All right. My number two, mm-hmm. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. What up? Okay. You look, you look really upset. I've yeah, never seen so much fear in your yeah. eyes. No, I mean, I'm, I'm a little surprised. Uh, I thought you weren't as keen on uh, Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. I liked it more than Jurassic World. Okay. I couldn't. Re- but, I honestly cannot remember our review of that film. Like, I, I don't know what we said in that film or that review, but uh, uh, I thought you were like kind of so-so on it. Mm, nah. All right. I, I, so, I was I, I respect it a lot more than I respect Jurassic World. I'll put it that sure. way. I don't think it has that many flaws. Uh, it, right. I have issues with it out the wazoo, but I have issues with all these movies past the first one. But wait, what was sure. your number two? Uh, my number two uh, is a film I also recently revisited, just to be sure, is Jurassic Park 3. Ah, hmm. uh, film. Okay. okay. And here's my explanation. I think all of these other Jurassic Park movies have the fatal flaw of trying to recreate Steven Spielberg's magic, including Steven Spielberg with the Lost World colon Jurassic Park. And I think you're just like I said, you're never going to recreate that success. I think Joe Johnson was smart enough or at least uh, unpretentious enough to just be like, look, we're not going to make Jurassic Park three here. It's kind of like Gary Marshall's character in uh, BoJack Horseman, where he's just like, you know, like we're not, you know, when he's make when he takes over for making the the Sea Biscuit movie, you know, it's like we're not making Casablanca here, you know, we're just we're just having fun. So I think that movie respects that's like rather than just recreate Jurassic Park a second time, let's just make like a knockoff blockbuster. Basically, it's like a B movie that you see at the drive-in, have fun with your family. Like we get the dinosaurs, you get what you want out of it. It's ninety minutes. You got William H Macy here. You got Sam Neill back. What more do you really want? It's not a great film. It's got a lot of flaws, but I think mm-hmm. it's very accessible. It's fun popcorn film. Uh, I think it does what it needs to do. It's it's more agreeable and more passable than any of these other films, in my personal opinion. I'll have, I'll have my own thoughts on Jurassic Park 3. 
eventually. right. Well, yeah, we got to see where it is in this ranking of yours. But what's we'll number see, three? We'll see. My number three is Jurassic World. And yeah, I'm just I'm going to say I think the Jurassic World movies, <laughs> almost all of them, I think are better than the original sequels. You're well for I this one. They're better movies. They have better. I'm just saying they have better effects. I think like Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic World, they have really exciting action set pieces that are more memorable that I think have better tension. And I like the characters a little bit more. I think that like, I mean, I'll talk about Jurassic Park, The Lost World and three, but I just think those movies like they're, I, I, it's just hard. I, I don't have the nostalgia for them, honestly. I'll, I'll talk more about it, but I, we already talked about Jurassic World. I think it's a super flawed movie, but that was like watching it in the theater. I had way more fun. I had way more fun revisiting the film than I have any of the sequels. Whenever I watch the sequels, I'm just like, uh, whatever. Like, I, I just, I can't get, force myself to care because those are the movies that make me think of the first Jurassic Park more. The Jurassic World movies just feel like their own thing. So I'm a little bit less like, I mean, Jurassic World, there is a little bit of that because it's like, okay, we're going back, you know, all the callbacks and everything. But at least the structure is a little bit different. I think that's the thing that I like about Fallen Kingdom more is I think the structure is more interesting. I think that set piece with the volcano is way more like engage, like unbelievably like eye-catching. Like there's so many good moments in that. Whereas the other films, I, I don't know, there's after Jurassic World or sorry, I should say before Jurassic World, we just, I don't think it has that same appeal. But all right, yours uh i'm gonna go for number three i'll say and this is where we start splitting hairs i'll be fair uh i'll say jurassic world fallen kingdom uh okay kind of for the reason you're suggesting but more that like i i think all these other ones are fairly mediocre but i think this one at least has a little bit more fun with playing with style i still think that movie kind of feels like a hodgepodge of two different ideas they had for a sequel which is like yeah jurassic world explodes the, the volcano is messing everything up that's one idea haunted house thing and uh josh hammond's estate the dinosaurs are running loose it's like a horror movie it's like they take two ideas and they kind of awkwardly gel them together right right with a really dumb like last five minutes uh but i still think that one you know stylistically it's a little bit more fun certainly i think the haunted house stuff it's a little bit more engaging than uh some of the stuff in the later film and the other films i mean uh and i think like you said the the volcano exploding set piece is you know it's kind of fun yeah. it's not great uh but you know like seeing them the ball kind of fleeing the dinosaurs and the volcano erupting yeah, it's 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 fine i think people give that movie a hard time for reasons i don't fully understand compared to jurassic world which i think is like i, I think said, it was an expectations thing i guess i don't know i mean like i said i think my expectations were m- managed a little bit better uh and i think getting rid of colin trevorrow was uh Probably the best thing about that, at least from a directorial yeah, standpoint, was just a great director for it. And yeah. the, with the exception being the, the clone thing. What in the world? Like, that was just like the dumbest. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we don't have to relitigate that yet, I guess. Sure. I don't really take issue with that one so much as the uh, when they're auctioning off the dinosaurs mm-hmm. and you got like literally the richest people in the planet, you know, meeting up in this underground auction, you know, people who are worth presumably billions of dollars and they're like all right we're we're auctioning off a dinosaur for the first time ever we're gonna start the bid at one million two million all right sold for three million dollars like you're telling me all these people are they're they're gonna stop the bid at like three or four million dollars they're gonna go high they're gonna go a billion for a dinosaur (laughs) i thought you were gonna be saying like oh they don't have as much security or like they you'd think that they'd be a little bit more (laughs) 
whatever. But I'll yeah, go yeah. with that for number three. What's your number four? Also, the, the whole idea of having it at this mansion was nonsense, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole number, movie's nonsense. <laughs> right. Uh, like, where, like, it's a military thing. It's like, where is your, it should be a secure compound. Anyway, uh, number four, that's where I put Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Because I think of all of its, it, look, Lost World, I watched that and I that was think the, you mean The Lost World, colon, Jurassic Park. I don't care. Look, <laughs> The Lost World was the first Jurassic Park movie I saw in a theater. I was too young to watch the original. I was just like a little kid. So like they didn't take me to see dinosaurs munching on people. But by the time the last world came out, I was a little bit older and I was in the theater. And that was like one of the first big budget live action blockbusters I ever saw in theaters. And the nostalgia was real. Like I, I just felt so like, like I felt like a big kid. And especially when we get to San Diego in that movie, I remember revisiting last world years later and I had forgotten like all the other good stuff that happens before that, uh, like the raptors and like with the high grass and like chasing through all the people. I remember the the whole thing with like the the bus or RV that's like hanging off the cliff. Like there are really good moments in that. I think there are times when Lost World is like an evolution of the first Jurassic Park. If it wasn't so slavish to the same formula of Jurassic Park and if it didn't have such an undercooked like the dinosaurs, the T-Rex is let loose in San Diego moment, I'd say this is better than the Jurassic World movies. But I, I every time I've rewatched it since I just I get less and less out of it. Um, so yeah, it's with a heavy heart that I have to say, Lost World, it's, it just doesn't quite, I don't think it quite works. Like, it, it's just, it, it's kind of like Fallen Kingdom in that respect, where I feel like it all just doesn't really go together as well. Uh, I, don't, I don't like Vince Vaughn in the movie, and I think that Jeff Goldblum, they try to, like, elevate him to being the main character, and I get it. Like, I don't dislike it, but it, yeah, I don't know. There, there was something I think that was just really missing in Lost World. It just, that's when, I know the Jurassic World movies get knocked for this, and rightfully so. It felt a little forced. I mean, they literally forced the book, you know, to be written so it could have a sequel. And that's the thing that I put the, these Jurassic World movies. It's like, yeah, they're forcing more movies out of it. But it just felt a little bit less like desperate, I guess. It felt a little bit more of like, all right, let's lean into the skid and have more fun. Whereas like Lost World and three to an extent are like, let's really only just focus on all the horror stuff, which I think is a fun aspect of Jurassic Park. But I think there are other things about Jurassic Park that make it interesting beyond, oh no, dinosaurs. I think there's other stuff like the intrigue and the whole, like the thought experiments, the Frankenstein stuff that, yeah, I, I think that should be more pronounced, but you know, Lost World, what are you going to do? That's my number four. What was your number four? This is where it gets tricky. Uh, like I said, I'm really splitting hairs with these other ones. Like it's just kind of like minor details that I elevate or uh, devalue a film for. Uh, it's a toss up at this point between The Lost World, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. I think I'm going to give a slight edge to Jurassic World for some of the reasons you detailed. Uh, I think both Jurassic Park uh, or sorry, Jurassic World and uh, The Lost World, colon, Jurassic Park are fairly cynical films. Uh, I, I think they're both movies that are trying to chase the high of the first movie without really uh, maximizing what makes that first movie so great, which is that sense of wonder and a, uh, mixed with that sense of like terror that the dinosaurs create. Uh, but I think of the two, I think Jurassic World has more genuine moments of awe and wonder with the dinosaurs. Like, I think it seems to understand a little bit better than the lost world of like why the dinosaurs are kind of precious. I think it captures some of that highs in the, in the first half, at least of like 
we're finally seeing dinosaurs again on the big screen. The special effects are updated. Uh, there is some practical effects, but we can actually rely more on CG to, you know, really recapture what uh, Steven Spielberg was able to accomplish with that first movie. It's by it's by no means uh, a perfect film. I can go at length about why I think that movie is uh, not great. But I, I do think it is it's easy to see why that movie uh, became a uh, short lived cultural phenomenon, I think. <laughs> so I'll give it the slight edge and put in my number four spot. So then that means your next one would be Lost World, which is so interesting because our rankings right. are basically the same, except that you have three at number two. But if you didn't, we we have it in the same successive order. Jurassic World, Fallen sure. Kingdom, Jurassic World, Lost World. That's I actually guess so, but- very surprising to me. But I think our reasoning is a little bit different. I, I think I guess, it, so. I guess it really just comes down to that uh, appreciation that I guess have uh, slightly for Jurassic Park three, which I guess you just don't have at all based on your ranking of it. That's, uh, well, what, yeah. uh, let me say my number five, Jurassic World Dominion. And oh I, boy! Yeah. Okay, Jeez Jurassic Louis. World Dominion is not the worst of these movies. Oh I think my- I actually think pretty far from it, and I think three. Three is the worst. And I do now not you got to explain yourself with this. I, you got to explain yourself. I'm sorry. You got to explain <laughs> how you're going to put Jurassic World Dominion. I don't think Jurassic World Jurassic Dominion Park is that 3. bad. I think it's basically on par with The Last World. I put Last World above it because I think it has a better script. I'm. I, we'll talk about Jurassic World Dominion. I want to hear why you're so harsh on this Jurassic Park Three. That's where you got to explain. I yourself, just think man. it's. So, so I saw Jurassic Park Three in theaters as well. I saw it uh, in Puerto Rico. It was one of the many summers where I was, you know, over with my grandparents and all that. And I remember watching that movie twice, once in Spanish, once in English. And I liked it better in Spanish because I didn't have to, like, listen to the <laughs> the, the uh, actual, like, voices being delivered, delivering the dialogue. At least when it was in Spanish, it was, like, car- similarly cartoonish. I mean, Jurassic Park 3 is a movie where literally the dude is, like, a raptor being like, Alan, like, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. I hate it so much. I hate the whole subplot with the raptor eggs. I hate the whole thing where they're in like the birdcage and they're just jumping around stupidly. It's just the same thing over and over again. There's no verve to this movie. It is only a B-movie survival horror. And I get it to some people that that's the appeal. But to me, that is so basic. It's so... I'm bored when I watch that movie. I'm so bored i think the opening to lost world is so much better that it's the best comparison of like the little girl on the island and the dinosaurs come up and it's just it's, it freaks you out whereas in jurassic park 3 it's like they're just parasailing and just kind of disappears like I don't, it, there's just so much with this movie that i think is like the least interesting aspects of the last two jurassic park movies whereas like at least in dominion we get new stuff in here we actually i think Dominion has some really good action set pieces, especially like in the middle sections. And I, I, I don't hate Dominion nearly as much as other critics. In fact, I think critics are really just wilding out on hating this movie, like over hating it a bit. Like pe- people are going to say what they say, but Jurassic World Dominion is not that bad. It's a passable average to below average, you know, B rate blockbuster with some exciting dinosaur stuff. And I think people just want to hate it. And power to them i guess but three i think is worth hating because that movie was just such a slog um i'm sorry william h macy trying to make the the whole thing about the fishing that's just dumb but i you know you have it as number two and 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, can... I think it's the breeziest of the um, oh, Jurassic God. Park sequels. It's ninety minutes. It goes by pretty quick. It doesn't. You don't. You don't have to spend too much of your day to watch it. Uh, the only thing I like about it is the thing with the phone. And oh, like, where they're trying to get the phone. And during, yeah, the, that's my, that's my yeah. only. The only set piece I think is really fun. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, you with to, you, man. I don't know why you're, you're so harsh on uh, Jurassic Park three. I'm like I said, it's not a movie. I'm like uh, champion to the high heavens, but it's certainly I think better than you're giving it credit. Certainly better than Jurassic World Dominion, but um, you know that's not a film uh, to your earlier point that I necessarily hate. I just think it's accumulation of uh, uh, all the things that have been pretty lackluster to outright bad with the Jurassic World movies in general um but i i will say that uh my number fifth spot my number five spot if you guys haven't guessed already was uh the lost world which you know i will say uh re-watching the film this past week a little bit better than i gave it credit initially i was really down this movie when i first saw it in my teen or pre-teen years um you know it, it's a movie i think really does not work i think like i said it's a pretty cynical sequel uh, it, it just feels like everything's kind of just like shrug worthy. Like, Hey, why are we going back to Jurassic world or Jurassic park? I don't know. We have this reason because we need to make money. Yeah. There was and, another Island the whole right. time. Like, okay. Why are we taking, uh, Jeff Goldblum? He was the one that was most cynical about the idea of Jurassic park in the first movie. I don't know. We got him back, but we couldn't get the other two. So we got to get, him on the island and it's like who are we gonna get him with uh uh swingers guy and recent oscar nominee julianne moore yeah sure why not um <laughs> you know I, I think there's stuff like like i said uh, i think the rv scene is pretty outstanding in that movie i i also think some of the stuff with uh the dino in san diego is pretty inspired and fun that seems to be where uh, Spielberg is having the most fun as a director is in the San Diego scenes. But from a plotting standpoint, it just, you know, it, it feels very haphazard, especially for Steven Spielberg. And I just think, you know, both times I've watched it, I just kind of find myself checking out a lot. I really just can't connect to the plot. I think there's not much plot there to begin with. Uh, it just kind of, you know, I find it to be a very underwhelming film considering the talent involved with it. So, uh, for that reason, I think I got to knock it slightly less than Jurassic World, but I think they suffer from similar problems. So that puts Dominion at, your, at last for you. Which and I'll discuss, we, we, I think, in yeah, the review. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, we can wrap it up here and be like, okay, so our rankings are not that different. I actually think it's it's kind of uh, funny. They're not. The, I mean, the only difference is that I have three at six and you have three at two, but otherwise, like the order is the same. Uh, Jurassic Park, then you have three. Um, but then I have three at the end, but we both have it as Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, mm -hmm. Jurassic World, Lost World, Dominion. That's actually, you know what? That's that's not that that's not that different. I don't know. I There's think different reasons. Uh, you seem upset. You know, I'm not upset. <laughs> I, I just think, uh, you know, the 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 conflict is more in the reasoning, I think, for these uh, particular rankings. Like, you know, I, I think we feel a little bit more impassioned about uh, Jurassic Park three. Than, than most people <laughs> I guess uh, so. for good and for ill i guess um, i guess if we had to like if balance our list together three would go right in the center huh it'd be at number four i guess i don't know um but yeah i mean 
certainly not the one I expect to be the most contentious of the six <laughs> films. I thought I, know, right? uh, I thought Jurassic I thought be, World would be a, right. That's what I thought. I thought that'd be the more conflict-worthy uh, film, considering in the fan base that seems to be the more contentious film. Uh, but yeah, we can discuss uh, Jurassic World Dominion, which I guess doesn't have a colon, so it's just Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah, Jurassic yeah. World colon Dominion. It's just Dominion. saying that it's the Jurassic World is a Dominion. It's dumb. It's so uh. dominating the world that they the dinosaurs ate the colon, so it's just Jurassic right. World Dominion, yeah. So, as we kind of alluded to earlier, Jurassic World Dominion, it features the return of Colin Trevorrow, who did do the first Jurassic World. It's doing the Star Wars thing. I said this in my review, but this franchise, like this trilogy, the reboot trilogy, has so many weirdly like similar traits to the star Wars reboot trilogy, because both of them come out in 2015 under like directors who used to do indie films. But I guess JJ Abrams at that point had done star Trek to be fair and super yeah, well, and like alias and stuff on TV, not TV, but I'm, you know, but I mean, that's not an indie production though. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it is, but anyway, anyway, um, I'm think when I think JJ Abrams, I think more of the bad robot stuff, True. but Whatever. The point is that they both have these big legacy sequels in 2015 that are huge successes. And they're, they bring back a few people from the original cast, but not everybody. They are sort of like just they're all about like the nostalgia. It's all about like, remember that movie? Wow. You know, like with Force Awakens, it was New Hope and all of that. And then with this, it was the first Jurassic Park. And then both of these movies switch to a totally different director who, you know, completely like messes with the formula and the structure people react to it kind of like negatively uh with star wars it was last jedi but jurassic world it was jurassic world fallen kingdom and then both of these franchises then have a third film where they bring the first director back you know and it's funny too because colin trevor was supposed to do star wars the rise of skywalker um but they kicked him off and i thought he was in director jail like i was like wow like after book of henry uh, it just seemed like colin trevorrow was like kind of getting booted out of Hollywood, but no, they brought him back for Jurassic World Dominion. And I think that they're, I think he actually will be in director's jail after this, uh, after, you know, this thing is not going to be nearly the critical or critical or box office success that I think that they were hoping for. Um, but again, like they're bringing back even more of the legacy characters. They're kind of just doing this big budget spectacle of a movie, kind of like rise of Skywalker was, but without, really any of the operatic you know sense of wonder that you you kind of expect from these movies they also are i i, I think jurassic world dominion has so much in common with rise of skywalker it's it's scary like the editing issues yeah. the yeah like it, it, there there are scenes here that are fun but like they exist in like a just a a slotch like a swamp of like bad ideas it's weird and also like the logic um, just isn't there but yeah maybe this is controversial to say and I know, I think I was more negative on Rise of Skywalker than you were, but I think this movie is not quite as bad as uh, the Rise of Skywalker. I think they're about the same. But yeah, that's because, uh, yeah, like you're saying, like, I didn't hate Rise of Skywalker. I mean, I think that it's just, a, I, it's a sad moment in Star Wars history, but so is this Jurassic World movie, I guess. I think Rise of Skywalker is a far more frantic film than this one. Like, this movie just seems kind of defeated from the start. The Rise of Skywalker is a film that's, like, frantically trying to justify itself and to try to rewrite the things that were actually interesting and compelling about Last Jedi. And I think that's a big difference, that, like, Rise of Skywalker is coming 
at us uh, as this like conclusive chapter after Last Jedi, which at least in our respective opinions was a good, thoughtful, meaty, uh, you know, revitalizing of this franchise. Yeah. It was a it was a great know, place a, to end it too. Right. They could have just ended right. it right there. But you know, like I, I, I like, certainly as we suggested, I don't think Fallen Kingdom was like revitalize the franchise to such degree where it's like oh, okay like you know colin trevorrow is like really pissing on the good fortune right. of i didn't Dr- expect uh, another King- jurassic world movie like i i mean i knew there would be one but like after fallen mm. kingdom i was like that's cool i'm good uh, no I, I mean i figured they would wrap it up uh yeah. in some fashion or another to make it a trilogy but i mean i i mean i'm not sh- i wasn't shocked when colin trevorrow came back i mean i think for better or for worse unless he like really crafts a bed uh personally or professionally at some point i think the goodwill of jurassic world at least from a box office standpoint will probably carry him over until you know make like an indie at some point or maybe he'll just like direct a lot of tv from this point forward i don't know but i don't think his career is going to be dead in the water per se as now, a blockbuster filmmaker i think so Maybe so. I don't know. I mean, I the sad fact of the matter is that a lot of uh, mediocre white directors get more chances than other people in Hollywood, <laughs> no matter how many times they mess up. But um, yeah, I, I think I think maybe producers would be a little bit more cautious about giving their uh, hundred plus million dollar project to Colin Trevorrow. I would be in their situation after his last few films, but we have seen a winding down, haven't we of these big franchise studio producers hiring indie directors. It used to be like really, really common. I mean, Ryan Johnson for last Jedi Mm -hmm. and then Colin Trevor, before he did this, he'd only done what safety, not guaranteed. Uh, It was, it was way more common back then. And I just feel like it doesn't happen nearly as often now. And I mean, I think something that gets kind of underwritten about uh, Colin Trevorrow's hiring is that Steven Spielberg was the one that got him that job. Like he was vouching for him. He was like, he should direct this movie and all that, at least according to like the reports. Uh, you know, like it, it wasn't like Universal was just like, yay, there you go. Why, why don't you try this? Like, I wonder Steven if Spielberg- they tried. Do you think they yeah. tried to get Spielberg to do this movie? I would be shocked. I mean, he's executive you know, producer. I I think he. I, I, I'm going to say I don't even think he may have even seen these movies. I don't even think he's like really that into it. <laughs> like, I'd be genuinely curious to know what I know he, he, he about. I, you're right. He did ask Trevor to do the movie, but it, mm-hmm. I, it is just interesting to me, to me that they didn't try to push Spielberg to end the franchise. Like, I mean, not? they couldn't even get Spielberg to direct the last Indiana Jones movie. Like he's making the Fablemans. Like he's pretty clearly like, yeah, I get it. I, I don't think Ready Player he, One did kind of burn him, didn't it? Well, not so much that. I just think like I, I just don't think he has much interest in either Indiana Jones or uh, Jurassic. I think just Park. blockbusters in general. It just seems like sure. it, it seems like he doesn't like making those movies as much as he used to. He wants I mean, to make things like Fablemans, yeah, you know, Bridge of Spies, like those kinds of. Right. I think he I has mean, more fun doing that mm-hmm. now in his older age. I mean, yeah. What does he really have to prove at this point? Like, he yeah. he should just make the movies he wants to make. He's one of the few working directors right now that has genuine clout that can get whatever project he wants off the ground. Sure. Why would he spend three or four years making a sequel to a movie he doesn't want to make? Like, you know. Like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess there just is that sort of like the storytelling, the narrative would be really great for Universal, but clearly, yeah, that's not how things worked out. But okay, so the the plot of this movie. It's really, really strange. It has, so like Rise of Skywalker has the Palpatine thing. This movie has locusts, but also kind of bringing it back that dude from the first Jurassic Park movie who gives the Barbasol can 
to Dennis Nedry. Now he's basically like people have been saying like, oh, he's Steve Jobs. He's Tim Cook. People do not understand the difference between Steve Jobs and Tim Cook. And it's very strange to me. No, Um, I think we agree about that where we sort of disagree is I think there's a little bit of Elon Musk in there, too. But in the performance, yeah, because he behaves a bit like Elon Musk, but he's styled visually as Tim Cook. And also like that whole compound looks exactly like the Apple um, spaceship campus. I I work for Apple. So, like, you know, disclosure there. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you took personal offense to it. I did. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, what the heck? <laughs> also, they're they're based. Uh, they they say that Biosyn is based in Cupertino, which is where Apple is. But anyway, sure. I mean, I thought you went a little far when you were saying that he had some good ideas and that what he was doing was kind of noble and all that. I thought that was a little much, but you know, I mean, wait, what? I was just joking, man. I was gonna say it's like, wow, I don't know what to say, man. What the heck? I was just um, joking. <laughs> but yeah, no. So Jurassic World Dominion is. Like I said, it has some weird stuff in it. Um, the The whole idea is like after Fallen Kingdom, the dinosaurs get let loose by Maisie Lockwood, played by Isabel Sermon, who is a clone. And sure, um, th- there's something in this movie about that. And there's a whole plot where basically this Biosyn Corporation has like created these locusts. And it's like, OK, and then the locusts are destroying things and it has nothing to do with dinosaurs, but it kind of does because the dinosaurs are cloning. Wait, so the locusts are clones, but they're waiting. They're not. Um, it makes no sense. John, it, it, is, it is dumb as a bag of rocks. Well, John, like, don't I, even I don't even try <laughs> to make you're not. You're, this is a losing battle. I'm not I'm not even going to try and make any sense of this movie because i don't even think colin trevorrow and whoever the other screenwriters were could reasonably sit down and give you an explanation that makes any sort of sense about this movie it's 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 such a weird error to me because it's like just let why can't they be dinosaur locusts like or do some kind of like dinosaur why why are there locusts at all why (laughs) i guess yeah like here's the thing I mean, I was going to kind of... Well, we have to get yeah. Laura Dern and Sam Neill back into the movie, and that's their way in, is through... <laughs> there's this plague, and okay. they're trying to call back to the plagues of Moses, and <laughs> you're, you're wrinkling your brow and rubbing your forehead in consternation. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. I, I kind of already uh, said this was said this, this uh, in a way before, but um, the end of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom does a really dumb thing where the clone lets the dinosaurs free and now dinosaurs the world is truly a jurassic world the dinosaurs have roamed the earth uh you know it's a dumb premise but it is also kind of enticing when you see the end of that film like okay like now what happens like the world is overrun with dinosaurs humans (laughs) have to coexist we spend most of the movie in another compound with dinosaurs in it and it has nothing to do (laughs) and all this it's like why in the jungle You have a dumb but interesting premise where humans have to commingle with dinosaurs. And we get and some of it, like a little bit, but nothing that has to do with the main plot. That's like the weird right. thing about this movie. Like That's, yeah. The and dinosaurs mean, are just incidental to this world now? I mean, I, I get like, okay, you need to bring the original cast back, but you can do that with the, the core premise. It's just that the world is overrun with dinosaurs. The only three people who... Six or one, uh, a few of the only three people who have successfully lived 
and escape the presence of dinosaurs are, you know, the original three characters from the first movie. So Mm -hmm. they have the know-how and they're forced into the situation because they can't like hide from dinosaurs. They exist all over the place now. So, I mean, that makes sense. And that gives you an avenue to bring back, I don't know, Julianne Moore, Vince Vaughn, uh, William H. Macy. William H. Macy, T. Leone, you know, I mean, it makes sense from that perspective. It just seems like the movie just doesn't care about that. Like, it seems like Colin Trevorrow, like, uh, even though he wrote the script for the last one, just like, yeah, that doesn't really interest me. Let's talk about the locusts. And, you know, it's like, (laughs) I don't care about the locusts. I want to know about what happens when I'm trying to catch a bus and a dinosaur is running at me. That's (laughs) exactly it. I mean, the story. So Colin Trevorrow did the story with Derek Connolly. The screenplay is by Trevorrow and Emily Carmichael. So, you know, we can't we can't escape Colin Trevorrow's fingerprints on this because uh, Emily Carmichael is like also best known probably for her short films and I think also co-wrote the screenplay and I, I hope I'm not getting this wrong but um, I think uh, the Pacific Rim sequel was like her last co-write but I could be wrong about that uh, so that's it I, I just don't see how the studio can be like well it's not Trevor's fault I, I feel like it, it it is like it has to be Um now, here's the thing. When this movie does have those moments where it's like, okay, we have dinosaurs kind of like running around in the world. There's some stuff where like a brontosaurus is like walking and like interrupting a train and, you know, care, the, the people in the world are like now just kind of like watching and being like, I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> like right. those are the moments where I think the movie's kind of interesting. There's a whole middle section yeah. in this movie where they're in, um, I think it's a uh, Malta and there's like a dinosaur black market and we just, we have just dinosaurs like illegal dinosaurs like running around and it's kind of like it's like a jason Bourne movie at one point and that stuff i was like this is cool i like this sure and then they're like okay now we have to go to another version of jurassic park and and i was just like no thank you like i no (laughs) why does that have to be like that it to me is what makes this worse than most of the other jurassic park movies is the compared to fallen kingdom in the first jurassic world it's just falling back on like a replication of a replication. It's stupid. Terrible yeah. idea. I mean, did you see uh, that short film they made a few years ago, uh, Battle at, uh, what's it called? Battle at Bid Rock? Battle, yeah. Was that the last thing Big... Carmichael did? Uh, I don't know about that. I think Colin Trevorrow helped with that, but it's like a short film with the uh, Andre Holland where it, it has like a family in like an RV and like they're being uh, hunted out by dinosaurs roaming free. And I thought that short was like of the Jurassic World stuff, like one of the better things to come out. Like the writing of it's dumb, but from a directorial standpoint, it's actually kind of interesting. Sure. And, and you know, it's like it, it, it lends itself well to like, you know, after Fallen Kingdom, you're like, OK, like let's explore. Like, let's really go to like the thriller slash horror stuff that was seeing that first movie. And then just I don't know. It just seems like this movie has no enthusiasm like there's no energy at this point which is bizarre for like what should be like this big you know climactic finale for the uh jurassic park franchise not even the jurassic world subseries like the jurassic park franchise it just seems like it's kind of going back to the lost world thing where everyone's just sort of just like shrugging their shoulders and being like yeah like I guess this is what we're going to do because we got to do it. And, you know, it, it, I think that's lending itself to this lack of enthusiasm that people have for this movie, this obligation that's like, okay, we got to see this movie because it's the last one and we like the other ones to some degree. I don't know. It just, it's a bizarre thing. Yeah. I, I did not like 
the way that they wove in the original three. Uh, and, and the problem with that is that I also didn't really like Chris Pratt in this at all. I did not like, I didn't like Isabel Sermon. I just didn't like the um, characters. I didn't care about them. The only characters I cared about were Bryce Dallas Howard, who I think this is her, the best she's been in these movies. I actually thought she was a bit more interesting than usual, uh, like her character. And then also Demanded Wise, who's this kind of like Air Force pilot who is kind of like, all right, you know, I'm going to take you on this mission and I ain't going to, but we ain't going to become friends. See? And like, uh, there was a little bit of fun there. Uh, but otherwise, these characters, like Mamadou Ati plays this guy who's like kind of works for Biosyn and he kind of has a bit of an arc, but his performance was like very like awkward and stilted to me, even though like, I know he's a really good actor. So like, that was a little bit confusing to see, um, really liked him in like uh unicorn store, for example. But yeah. Uh, otherwise I think this, I think this cast is a little bit like uh, Campbell Scott, Will Ashton, who plays the villain. And yes. I, uh, should we, should we talk about that? How do we, how do yes. we approach? So, <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm going to kind of open a can of worms here. Okay. Uh, do you think this performance is kind of offensive to neurodivergent people? That's the Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know say, if it's yeah. more the writing or the performance. I've, I don't know. I think it's the way he's being directed. Like, it, it seems like it's like a lot of his like tics and his like emotions or lack thereof are played for sort of semi comedic effect. And that's another thing about this movie. Like, the comedy of it is bizarre. Like, there are moments that are, like, clearly meant to be, like, comic de- comedy beats, but yeah, they're not they really pause, saying... And they're like, this is going to be when the audience is rip-roaring. And then... Yeah, but, like, there's lying. nothing... Like, like it's not even like they're not saying anything funny. It's like they're not even constructing a joke. They say something yeah, yeah. kind of bizarre. And it's just like... Uh, like, my audience seemed confused. Like, they were just like... Yeah, I, I don't, like, yeah like I, Well, Goldblum has a couple of good punches in there like because it's Goldblum and he does that thing where he talks like he's asking a question (laughs) like I think he can yeah he can sell anything but like yeah I just like everything else not a big fan like I got a laugh I got a bunch of laughs sure um but yeah I don't know just like I mean I think I was already just like kind of like numb and bored of the movie but then Campbell Scott's performance I just found to be actively pretty offensive yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree. I thought B.D. Wong just seemed really defeated in this for some reason. Like, he's trying to play it as like, oh, I regret my actions. And it, it was just odd because there was no arc to it. It was just like, we start the movie with him being like, you know, I shouldn't have. And it's like, what, how did we get here? <laughs> like, there, there were a lot of missing pieces to that performance because, it, again, it, it's such an oddly constructed movie. And I just, I don't understand what this movie is trying to say beyond let's have dinosaurs doing in you know a bunch of like crazy stuff again i think that like that at its best the music is quite good it's michael giacchino of course he's going to do the music well it's going to have a really good soundtrack and i think that like say what you want about john Schwartzman, I, I think that he's not the best cinematographer there's some really good like frame worthy shots in this um there's a, a scene where dinosaurs like biting onto a ladder there's the kind of poster I, yeah. scene with bryce Dallas howard and the and the green um, swampy stuff. The, the moss kind of thing. The moss yeah. covered thing. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, you know, this is like, this is like building tension through the visual. Like I, this is stuff that like it's... we get from like the best of Jurassic Park. But it, yeah, it's few and far between. I mean, it's a handsome looking movie. They shot it on film. Uh, I think the last one they shot digitally, but the Colin dinosaurs Trevorrow, look great. 
across uh, the board. I think yeah. I, I think there are a couple moments where the CG is a little bit shoddy. But yeah, I was going to say, I think the CG really bounces back and forth uh, between being kind of wonky and sometimes looking kind of good. Uh, that scene where the T-Rex, yeah. by the way, is like replicating the logo. I want to just I just want to leave. Yeah, that was crazy. I just wanted to just walk out. I was and like, what's up? And like the dinosaur, the T Rex fight in this like felt so bizarre to me too because it's just like like the right. other ones they build up like some sort of arc with the T Rex, you know, like yeah. it's like they kind of build up. And this one just like, oh shoot, we got like fifteen minutes left. We got to have a, a T Rex fight. Big fight. It's like yeah, it's nothing compared to the Jurassic World one. Nothing. Like the Jurassic World one is awesome. Yeah, because they set it up. <laughs> This one yeah, they and set it's up, also, which is like, yeah, yeah. And it's also an interesting dynamic between the dinosaurs fighting each other. And this one, it's like, they're both, they have to say it out loud. This is the biggest dinosaur. Okay. It doesn't look like the biggest dinosaur we've seen. Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then also, mm-hmm. they both want to be apex predators. Okay. Sure. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Um, they also cut out from the trailer, what was probably the best line this, where Jeff Goldblum was just like, bigger. Why must they always be bigger? Which is actually kind of a really? funny line. I thought I heard that, that yeah. line. Or maybe they... I don't know. I, I think they did say the line. I think okay. it was, that was one of the parts where your eyes glazed over. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like, I do agree with you. I, I meant to say this earlier. I do agree that uh, DeWanda Wise is probably the only person here that's really bringing like, genuine enthusiasm to this proceed, these proceedings. Yeah. I if thought she was kind of doing yeah. the Chris Pratt thing in the first movie, but a little bit better. But I think we disagree on the Chris Pratt thing. On the yeah, Pratt. again, I don't really understand what you're talking about with Chris Pratt in that first movie. I actually think, uh, to another one of your earlier points, I actually think Chris Pratt's character, Owen Grady, a uh, character we all know and love, uh, like I guess Owen for you, unironically. Uh, yeah, I think he's more sympathetic in this than he is in the other ones because he actually has like the paternal Yeah, he's, thing he's going just on trying to be a with, dad. With no, Blue sorry. and the daughter. Yeah. But here, here is where my, that's the thing though, that here's where my issue with this movie is. I think that like with all of the characters, except for DeWanda Wise, they all, like they don't have character arcs. They don't go through any change. Of course They not. don't have no. any sort of like conflict. There's no sort of like debate or any sort of, because like that's what Jurassic World and Jurassic Fallen Kingdom had. They had like these characters having beliefs in the beginning of the movie and then having to like, you know, this movie is just more of like, okay, we're static characters and we have to go somewhere. We got to do the thing. We got to get out of there. And that is what I hated about Jurassic Park 3, too. It was just sort of like, at least Jurassic Park 3, though, had the whole idea of like Alan Grant reliving his trauma and having to get over it. There was yes. a little bit of something there. Which that, that I'm glad you brought that up because I think this is a clear example of how Jurassic Park 3 is much better well, not much better. A little bit better <laughs> than this movie. Um, no, I can't, I can't, I can't go Grant, that far. Okay. Here's the thing about Alan Grant is that in the first movie and the third movie, it's pretty clear that like, like he likes dinosaurs, but like what really kind of butters his biscuit is the idea that he'll get funding for like another one of his projects. He's like a true scientist where like, yeah, 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 like the idea of going to Jurassic Park, even the first movie isn't that enticing to him until uh, John Hanneman is like, oh yeah, well like fund your like whatever expositions or whatever. He's more intrigued with like, revisiting like digging up like the the the, the bones and like kind of like exploring what and this like, movie the only thing that butters his biscuit are. is starting something up with dr ellie sattler am i right and i'm just I like yes how, how is like, that interesting like compared right. to 
but like he seems like like I know he's like not happy with where he is in life at the beginning of this movie, but right. he seems to be managing fine. Like like there's not really much that Laura Dern says that really entices him to want to go on this exposition. You know, well I that's mean? the like, thing is like, like there could be like they have like little little small inklings of you know he has gone through the sort of you know, the good life that the life that he chose, which was not having kids, not getting married, but like focusing on his research. And now he's in, it's doing the toy story Four thing a bit, right? Where it's like, okay, now he's in a new stage of his life where he can go off and have a new adventure, the adventure that he, that spooked him when he was younger with the dinosaurs. But now he's willing to do it because the woman he's loved all along is there. And, but it's such an undercooked, plot <laughs> like it's so so small it's so tiny and little and it doesn't affect anything and it's just there to make you be like i i remember that i remember him i remember her and that's it that's it yeah i absolutely agree the only thing that i think semi justifies is that there is something about sam o'neill or is it just sam neill i always sam neill i think Sam Neill. I always put O'Neill. I, I turn him Irish. Not even trying to hide the New Zealand accent at this point, too, by the way. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I was going to say that, too. Yeah. He just like, <laughs> there are several points where I'm just like, yeah, he. They should have just let him his, have it. And he's Alan like, Grant. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, I was Zealand? in. No, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was in. I was in New England. I was in New Zealand for so long. And I can't I'm do I'm going it, through a phase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would have uh, given this movie so many props. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I have a New Zealand phase. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, I was going to say uh, there is something about Sam Neill, and this is like kind of like the magic of him when you hire him, is that even when you can't on a screen level or a screenplay level justify why Alan would be interested in stuff, he does have that twinkle in his eye. It's in the first movie for sure. It's in the third movie. And it's in this one where it's just like he looks at camera the right way that twinkles in his eye. And it's like, all right. Alan's back, baby. And that's like probably the best thing in this movie is just when he like uh, when Laura Dern's just like coming and he has that twinkle in his eye. The camera's panning. It's like, all right, Alan's back, baby. Let's give him nothing interesting to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even with Jeff Goldblum in this, too, I, I, I genuinely I'm like the way that they shoehorn him in to be an employee at Biosyn. And I, I don't understand this, this, this whole thing where it's like they're just trying to prove that Biosyn is behind this. But, like, they literally have two people who work there. Like, they could blow the whistle on this thing at any moment. And it's so bizarre because, like, well, they need proof. It's like... Go down to the next level. (laughs) Jeff Goldblum, like, smuggle a camera, bring it with you, take a picture of the locust, and leave. Like, it's not even... It's dumb. And it has nothing to do... With the Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard trying to save Blue's daughter, that Blue had a kid. Okay, and sure. maybe Lockwood is in this again. And there's even a moment too where BD Wong goes up to her and he's just like, "Well, we need your help to stop this problem." And I was like, "Oh, that's reasonable. Like, solve the problem with her." And like, instead, she's just like, "Nah, I'm getting out of here." And I'm just like, "Okay, fair enough." But still, it's it's like, right. I, I I think this movie is very dumb, but. Mm-hmm. It's also important. It's an important movie. Important. Every, everyone should go watch it. Wow. Um, I only say that because I want. I want to. I said it would be the highest grossing film of the summer, and so <laughs> you don't want egg in your face. Not yeah, no right. egg on your and face. No, I think yeah. that that ship has sailed. But uh, um, I got nothing else to say about Jurassic World Dominion. We we went pretty long on it. I guess that's all. That's about uh, all I got. It, 
the I think the critics are being a little bit extra harsh on it in a way that I think is it's a little extra. It, it it's just super average. It's super average to below average. Oh, I. And when you really dig into it, you can find some really dumb stuff. But like when you're watching, I mean, it's not like you're going to watch it and and like hate your life or anything. And there's fun to be had. Like it's not (sighs) it's not a constant beating in your head. But I guess for some people it might. I mean, I, I I do think it's bad. I think it's a bad movie. And I think it's because it's really sort of listless in a way that a lot of blockbusters are. Like I said, I don't think it's it's not excessively bad in a way that I think Rise of Skywalker is where it's like I said, sort of frantic. and It's like working overtime to the point where you're just like you, you get numb in a different way. I think both movies have this numbifying effect where you're just like, you know, it, it just trying over and over like there's no plot progression in this movie there's no sense of pacing it's just thing happens and a thing happens and a thing happens and, but then a thing happens and it's just like it's not like it's built up or anything like that the fan servicey moments are uh tired at best and uh weird and uh uh i don't even know what uh adjective i want to use at this point i don't know i just i feel like this movie it just inspires like bizarre sort of just like I feel tired thinking about this movie, but I also get wound up just thinking about how stupid it is. It's just a weird feeling of just like I'm aggravated, but I'm also just over it. I'm jaded at the same time. And I feel like, I don't know. I you feel like that's irritated. just my feeling. Sure. Irritated. Uh, I feel like that's just my feelings on the Jurassic world movies in general. Like, I think they're just really dumb. I think they, they, they act like they're smarter than they are. They feel like kind of self-important, but they they also just kind of want to play in the formula. And I think that's the Colin Trevorrow uh, effect of it. And I, I, I say that as someone who actually doesn't really hate Colin Trevorrow. I actually think Safety Not Guaranteed is a pretty fun, enjoyable indie movie. So maybe if he goes back to those indie routes, uh, he can find that spark, whatever it was that Steven Spielberg saw in him before he got hired to direct Jurassic World. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think this movie is worse than you're giving credit, but maybe not as bad as uh, some other critics uh, are uh, saying to your to your earlier point. Let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game now. Sure. I think, Will, you've been spoiled like multiple it's times on the Rotten It's hard to not Tomatoes. be spoiled on this one because people keep it's talking about how it's the lowest rated Jurassic Park movie ever, right? So what, what, now 298 reviews counted so far. Again, mm-hmm. the score has changed three okay. times in a major way. Um, Whoa, I think it's, uh, it premiered like to just like mm-hmm. eight reviews international. So for a short while, it was in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just say that out loud. Um, sure. And then it's been dropping ever since. Now, Will, what was the last score that you saw for this? Okay, so the last score I saw was a flat forty percent. Is it gone okay. up or down since then? That's your guess. Um, we'll start like try to guess the number, and I'll tell you if you're too low, too well, high. I was gonna say, why don't you just tell me if it's higher, or lower than forty, and then I can guess. If it's higher no, or lower. I'm doing it. Okay. It's fine. You had, you well, what I heard hints. was that. All right. I heard it's 40. Is it uh, above? Or, or what, what's the score? Just guess the score. I said it's it, not well, 40, it's 40 anymore. Okay. I'm going to say 34%. All right. It's not 34. Do you think it's higher or lower than 34? Uh, I think it's probably higher. It's like 38. No. It's lower. It's 30%. Oh. oh I did sorry, a double I think, take. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I saw uh, it because it was at forty for a while, and then yeah, it's third. It's been thirty for the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, the knives have come out. People are saying this franchise extinct. Um, yeah. Audience score: we have five thousand plus verified ratings. What do you think? What do you think about the audience score? This this could go either way, huh? And I haven't been spoiled on this one. Um, 
I think people, based on my audience response, there were some clappers. Like there are some people who were like, "Yeah, we did it." But I feel like most people are just like, "It's okay." Like you know, it, it, they didn't hate it. They weren't like mad about it, but they didn't really like. It, it's not a Jurassic World event. Like they weren't like, "Yeah, like sure." They really ended this franchise in the right way. But I think as uh, the movie has been out for a little bit, I think people are getting a little more annoyed. Like they they think about how this is supposed to be the conclusive chapter of this. And I think they feel a little bit more slighted. But I don't think that uh, aggravation has really settled in too much yet. So I'm going to say like 64%. It's not 64. Do you think higher or lower? Uh, Lower? Higher. It is 79%. Jeez Louise. I know, right? All right. Can you believe it? I can't. Um, yeah, it is pretty high. I mean, it's not high relatively. Usually these things are like in the 90s, but yeah. Okay. So, well, it's high in the sense that like I, and, and like you said before, I don't know anyone personally so far that's been like, yes, good movie. They did it. Yay. More just like, yeah, I mean, like the most, could have uh, been worse. the highest praise I've heard is like, yeah, it's, I guess, pretty good. Um. Okay. So let's see the cinema score. Folks in Vegas, they saw this one. We have a okay. cinema score. What do you think? Yo, you got this one was, on this one? Yeah, this one goes spoiled for me. Oh, okay, this okay, is, go ahead. This is uh, an A minus. It's an A minus, which sounds good, but you I mean usually these Jurassic Park movies are like yeah, A. Um, so it's a little bit lower than you would expect. On Letterboxd, we have 50, uh, 58,000 logs. 58,000 logs. Um, what do you think the average rating is? Zero to five. You're usually uh, pretty good for Letterboxd prediction 2.8 2.5 ah i I spoke too soon uh usually you've been spot on lately too so i'm a little surprised Mm but it's a tough one to predict since since you were already spoiled there are two friends of the show cinemaholics who were positive on it um one was very positive one was like positive uh who do you think those people are uh and there might be more to be clear it's just uh, these are the ones i noticed there are two Charlie people Ridgely, who have been on Cinemaholics. Charlie Ridgely tends to be pretty high on things. So is he the very high person? N- no. Charlie gave it a two and a half. Oh, he was low. Wow. He was low. Uh, and that's saying so I, I feel like when Charlie Ridgely doesn't like something, that says something. And Charlie had the same, maybe the same comment I did in his letterbox review. He said, it's hilarious that the movie with the, they leave the parks to the real world gimmick only gets good when they arrive at the new makeshift park. Um, so the same, same kind of criticism, but I guess he liked that more than I did. But anyway, uh, I think Corey Woodruff said he liked it, but he was like, it's all right. Like not, not great. Yes. So Corey Woodruff is the liked it. Um, but there is somebody here. They gave it four out of five stars on letterbox. Want me to just tell you? Is it Kimber? It's not Kimber Myers. I don't know what Kimber it gave it. Abby O'Chessie? It's not Abby. It's Alex Billington. Oh, uh, well, go figure. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't see I don't see Kimber Myers on here. I don't, I don't think she's logged it. So she probably skipped it. She's probably like, the park's not open for me. Oh, is this a... You're going off Letterboxd? I thought you were going off of Rotten Tomatoes. I was going off of both. Now, Corey didn't rate it on Letterboxd, but he did rate it on Rotten Tomatoes uh, as a fresh tomato. So that's why I said positive. So there you go. That's Jurassic World Dominion. It is 146 minutes long. It's quite long. Two and a half, uh, almost two and a half hours. And we'll see how Pretty... it does. I mean, $185 million budget. It's already made mm-hmm. $389 million worldwide. It'll make money, but I, 
I'm not so sure it's going to make a billion. I think it, it'll probably peter out at around 700 million if it's lucky. So, yeah. Well, the big question now, I mean, like we said, I, it's looking like this is the summer of Top Gun Maverick. It is. But do you think uh, anything else coming up this summer could potentially dethrone? I, I don't Top see Gun? it. I think I think Thor will make a lot of money. I think Thor has a chance of beating Doctor Strange, but I think Thor and Doctor Strange are going to hover around 400 million. Lightyear might hover around four to four fifteen million. I think Top Gun Maverick is going to make it to four twenty, four thirty, maybe higher. So that's my prediction at this moment, um, because it's barely dropping and it's taken up those IMAX screenings. And I think as Jurassic World Dominion drops, Top, they're going to keep. I think Top Gun Maverick is going to have more staying power, um, and it's not going to be charted over to Paramount Plus as quickly as like Strange and Thor will be charted over to Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. So that's my prediction for now. We'll see though. Yeah, I think it's a fair guess. Let's talk, about, let's talk about a movie, though, that's not in theaters. A movie called Hustle. And this this movie was only on my radar, like, I want to say, like, three weeks ago, I noticed it on the release schedule for Netflix. And it's a sports film starring Adam Sandler. And it kind of, it, it's like if you took High Flying Bird and you mixed it with, like, King Richard, basically. Um, so the idea is that it's about NBA scouting. Adam Sandler plays an NBA scout for the 76ers, uh, a guy named Stanley Sugarman. This is a fictional, uh, story, but it's kind of, ba- it's like a, an amalgamation of real stories. Is my understanding, like the different, uh, scouting stories where he finds somebody who in Spain, a very talented player who just has never been discovered, um, played a guy named Bo Cruz, played by Wacho Hanana Gomez. And, he tries to like train him up so that he can get drafted for the NBA. It's a very simple story. Um, it has villains. It has heroes. Uh, ben Foster plays like the co-owner of the 76ers. Uh, Robert Duvall has a kind of a short stint in this. We have like LeBron James in here at some point. I think he produced the film as well. Um, it's his uh, company, Spring Hill, I want to say. And Wait, is uh, LeBron in the film? I think... Uh, he, I thought he had a cameo. Maybe I'm thinking of Shaquille uh, and a few. Uh, yeah, a bunch Shaquille of basketball players cameo. get cameos. Maybe maybe LeBron didn't get a cameo. And I just missed. I that. don't remember LeBron in the film unless I missed it. it I, I might I might just be. Um, I did full well, laundry while I watched this movie. <laughs> LeBron did get a name drop. Yes, but I, I don't think he got. I don't think I he's think more than in one, the actually. film. Uh, Heidi Gardner well, is in one, the film, and yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just uh, gonna say like yeah. he got like a big name, like something I'm pretty yeah. sure as a producer he was like. Like, you know, like they, they could have just said, like, I don't care if Michael Jordan's on the field. Like, but it's like, what if they, he said, what if LeBron was on the field? Like, sure, yeah, I'm, I'm double checking the yeah. cameos and like there are a lot. There's Charles Barkley, Shaquille, like I said, Allen Iverson, Brad Stevens, Doc Rivers, uh, Kermit Wilkes is in this, Seth Curry, Trey Young. I mean, so many. Um, but we also have Queen Latifah, who plays Adam Sandler's character's wife. And Heidi Gardner, uh, as I mentioned. So big cast. Uh, this is like well, a kind of a stereotypical sports movie. Sorry, what? I was going to say, I, I think uh, Kermit Wilson is not a real basketball player. But oh, he's sorry. played yeah, yeah, by no, no. a real basketball player, yes, yes. Uh, Anthony Edwards. As Anthony Edwards, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, because obviously they would not do that kind of character assassination. On and I was going to say, uh, I don't know if you agree with this or not. Anthony Edwards is actually really good in this movie. Yeah. I, like whenever he came on screen, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like this dude like he's is good. Like, he's oozing, oozing like charisma and that kind of like bad guy energy that you love to hate. Um, sure. It's pretty good. good so yeah, good performance. I, 
but yeah, very good performance. Uh, this is on Netflix. It's the number one movie on Netflix right now. Will, what did you think of the, what did you, not The Hustle, but Hustle. And they don't play The Hustle once, but that's probably for the best. Uh, solid flick. I can't uh, believe it's Happy Madison, too, as one of the production sure. companies. It's not yeah, a I Happy mean, Madison movie. <laughs> so, yeah, because like, you know, we're kind of like mid to late tier uh, Sandler at this point. And I think, you know, for a good chunk of his career, there is this, you know, uh, mentality where it's like he does his Happy Madison movies. Uh, you know, everyone has an idea of what a Happy Madison movie is. And then he kind of sometimes will go off and work with like a Paul Thomas Anderson or a Judd Apatow or more recently, um, you know, someone like uh, um, Noah Baumbach or the Safdie brothers. And he makes his more art driven films, you know, something more character based something that critically is a little bit easier to uh, um, appreciate. And then he'd go back and make like grownups too or whatever. And, you know, he, he would bounce between the two, but now he's at a point where he's kind of like blending the two sensibilities a little bit more. And that's where hustle kind of comes into the factor where it's like, like I said, it is a happy Madison movie, but there is a little bit more craft put into it. Like the cinematography is very nice. Uh, it, the director of this uh, made a pretty well-claimed indie film called We the Animals, which I never saw, but I remember a lot of people really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this, the director here is Jeremiah Zagger, um, and the screenplay is by Taylor Matern and Will Fetters. I'm not familiar with them. I haven't seen We the Animals. Uh, I'm not familiar with their work before this. Yeah, I know it's another sort of like uh, father drama, and this isn't like a father dramedy per se, but it has like a father figure very clearly, something they lay pretty bare uh, (laughs) throughout the proceedings. Um, So, I mean, you know, it's clear that uh, Sandler, I think he's, he's at a point now where like, you know, Netflix will cash the checks, like as long as people keep watching, you know, Murder Mystery or what have you, uh, you know, he, he's pretty safely in that wheelhouse. And now he's kind of pushed out a little bit more, it seems, uh, to doing stuff that's a little bit, you know, a little artier, I guess, for uh, a lack of a better word. Something that, you know, has a little bit more uh, depth to it. Something that's not just like the stereotype of his where he's like, I'm going on a fancy vacation to Hawaii or I'm going, you know, you know, to Africa like he did with Blended. Uh, you know, it's like, I'm going to do something that's, you know, yeah, I'm on a vacation serious. in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to Philly. Uh, you know, they do have uh, cheese sticks. They do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think for that reason, people maybe are estimating this a little bit too high because it follows a fairly, you know, familiar, uh, story sports movie formula like there's not a lot of surprises to this like you said it's the type of film that like you know similar to other netflix movies you can kind of tune in now and you'll get the plot like you, you don't need to pay super close attention to know what's going to happen or you know what's going to follow but i mean it is a pretty sturdy film like i think uh sandler has you know he's bringing a little bit more of like a world weariness to it but he has those moments of passion that you expect from Sandler that really stand out here. I also think he's more reserved here in a way that I find really uh, refreshing. And like I said, I think the supporting performances uh, stand out too. I mean, certainly we pointed out Anthony Edwards, but um, our like second lead here, I'm not uh, too familiar with. Is he actually a basketball player or is he uh, an actor? I'm not too familiar with him. I'll, I'll uh, double check that. I think that he is an actual basketball player. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's a professional basketball player for the Utah Jazz. Okay, I he's him. solid too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think most of the, I mean, you, there are a lot of basketball players in this movie, as the end mm. credits highlight. 
And I think, you know, it's a credit to the direction that, you know, they're for the most part, fairly well woven into the film without, you know, uh, it's standing out too much. Uh, yeah, I think it's a solid film. It's the type of film I wish I had maybe a little bit more to say about because I think it, it kind of just does its job and then that's the end of it. But uh, I think it's a solid little flick. So uh, I looked into it a little bit more and I don't follow NBA very closely, to be clear. I like I like the NBA uh, quite a bit, but I don't know all the players super well. But uh, it looks like he was he was on the t- he was on the uh, uh, let me start. <laughs> he was on the Spain team um, in 2012, 2016. Then he went to the Denver Nuggets. Then he went to the Timberwolves. Then he went to the Boston Celtics uh, last year. So I think when this movie was being made, he was still part of the Celtics. And then he went to Spurs. Then he went to Utah Jazz. So he gets traded a lot, it looks like. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a very talented basketball player by all accounts. So yeah, I think I'm with you there. I've seen a little bit of pe- I've seen some people be a little over the moon for this movie. Uh, I won't I won't name this person by name, but I saw somebody basically say that this Adam Sandler performance is better than Will Smith's performance in King Richard. And and, and I gotta say, this is not a very this is not a great um, Adam Sandler performance. I think this is a satisfactory it just i would it's, say it's adam sandler par, he's kind of just playing him not himself but like he's not really doing anything like it's not uncut gems it's not where yeah. he's really tapping into a character who is just like really like outside of his own sort of like baked marketed persona if that makes sense you disagree no i, I mean i think for me I, what i find fascinating is the choices he makes like i think it is a very, uh, it's more of a thoughtful performance. That I think you're giving it credit. I think it's thoughtful at times, but I don't think it's like a very measured, very like, I don't know. I just, I think that he's kind of just being himself, which is nice. Cause I like, I like Adam Sandler uh, as himself, but it, it's not, I think like a, a high, a, a, a performance that's like a words worthy, if that makes sense. No, I would, I wouldn't say it's words worthy, but I think, like I said, it's blending the two sensibilities. It's, it's a little bit more casual. Like he doesn't have to like, really get intensive with it in a way that he does with something like Marwood stories or punch Drunk club, or like you said, uncut gems. But I think there's a lot of thought that goes into this characterization in a way that like something like just go with it, where he's just kind of just like shrugging his shoulders and just kind of, you know, doing what's expected of him. Uh, and, you know, I, I think the best comparison I guess they can give for something like this is something like the wedding singer, where like that's another happy mess in production, sure, and it it, 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 it does what you expect, but it, there is like clear craft that went into it, like certainly from like a uh, period piece standpoint. In that case, like you know the sets are quite lovely. I think there is like uh, a lot of good care that goes into that film, but it also plays into like some of the um, happy Madison beats that you want from an Adam Sandler film. And I think this is maybe a little bit it has its foot a little bit seat more in the drama than the comedy uh, in this right. case. But I think it, it, it's a happy medium of the two. And I think his performance reflects that. I think this is a crowd pleaser in a good way. And it passes, I think, the fundamental rule of sports movies. Every sport movie, it should be appealing and a good watch, even if you don't like the sport. Because you don't have to like the sport for it to be a good movie, to have a good time at the movie. I've watched plenty of movies about baseball. I'm not a big fan of baseball. But... There are great movies about baseball, right? And that's what it all comes down to is like if it can capture those people 
and it can make them appreciate the sport a little bit more, but either way, still, you know, engaging with the film on its level. And it's more about the characters, you know, loving the sport than you having to love the sport to like it. And I think that's what it comes down to. And it doesn't have a huge barrier to entry. And I could see a lot of like younger people enjoying this because, you know, like teenagers watching this and like getting into basketball more because it's a, a nice little gateway into that world. So, uh, and I really always enjoy, you know, kind of like in the money ball aspect, like examining the, like the, the modern ways that sports, professional sports, like sports on that high level are so business oriented. They're so meticulous and they're about numbers and they're cutthroat and it can be really cynical, but it's not cynical in a preachy mm-hmm. way. It's just sort of, it's matter of fact about it. It's like, yeah, this sure. is where the NBA is at right now. And obviously you have NBA people kind of making it to them. It's business as usual. And so like an audience that isn't as like familiar with like the ins and outs of the draft and how bureaucratic and arbitrary a lot of it can be. I think that there is an extra level to the film in that respect. Maybe a little, I don't know if it's unintentional or intentional. If like, you know, these players and these producers are kind of looking at this and being like, yeah, it is, it is a little wild. Like the lengths that they have to go through to get this character in this fictional movie drafted um, and how difficult it is and how hopeless it becomes. Like that, that's the sort of thing where I think this movie is kind of punching above its weight a bit, or, you know, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's scoring a few extra points, at least for me. So I like it quite a bit. It's a good movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, I, I think maybe the, the Philly set piece is kind of lending itself to this. It's kind of trying to, it's making a basketball movie in the vein of like a boxing film. Which is pretty fast. I mean, it, it makes that pretty apparent with like the Rocky uh, calls, yeah, callbacks, yeah. and lots of Rocky but, callbacks in this. But I think that's an interesting approach. Like it's this idea yeah. of like basketball is inherently more of a team sport, but in this case, it's like the process of training someone to be NBA level is like a boxing level feat, where you kind of have to have that stamina, that mindset. You got to kind of like get your head in the game in a big way, but also have to be like physically feet uh, of like such physical like feet and stature. And yeah, I mean, I think I would have preferred if it was maybe, maybe a little bit more even handed with um, balancing the Sandler story with um, what's the name of the main uh, basketball player in this film? Bo um, Cruz. Bo Cruz. That's right. Cruise control. Uh, uh, or was it cruise mission? Cruise or- cruise missile. Cruise Missile, that's right. And I, um, I do think, uh, to this movie's credit, it's not a very creative movie. And I think it kind of operates on that Cruise Missile like energy throughout. Um, like I said, I think it's just balancing the two effects. I think there's more craft in this than you're, into, you're giving it credit for. Certainly, I, I think, think there's craft editing, when it comes to the shooting the basketball scenes. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, from a cinematography standpoint, like I said, I think there is. But also, I think from an editing standpoint, I think it's a pretty yeah. well-cut movie, uh, including... Uh, in my opinion, fairly delightful, though it may be tiresome for other people. Uh, sports montage midway through, where yeah. it's just like, let's see how long we can get this going for, even to the point it. where like it ends basically, and you're just kind of like, all right, that was a pretty good uh, sport montage. You're like, why are you saying past tense? Like, what? It's like we're <laughs> still going. Like, and it just goes back up again. I think that that, that moment, <laughs> uh, I thought was pretty delightful. I don't know how you felt about it. I mean, I just, I, I honestly. I can go always go to go for a good training montage or sports montage, whatever you like. And th- that's what these movies are built for. And I, I think that they can get away with them uh, a lot easier than other films can. So, yeah, I mean, I got to say, I, I, I just, again, I, don't, I think this is like in the B territory for sure. 
you know, it's kind of a mid range movie, but that's not a bad thing. I think that it's certainly like, there's a reason it's the number one movie on Netflix. I mean, it's a slam dunk for the Netflix audience. It just is like, it's, it's like you said, it's casual, it's approachable. Adam Sandler is very charismatic and dynamic in the movie. I think that people are really going to love this Bo Cruz character because he's complicated and the performance is good and they're going to love to hate what Anthony Edwards is doing here. I think it was David Sims who said that uh, now there's uh, two uh, great actors named Anthony Edwards, which I yeah, thought was pretty funny. that was a good line, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, th- I think this is just a good watch, very good movie to get into. So uh, that's about all I got on it. Very good. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's a solid little flick. I think some of the stuff with um his home or with uh, Sandler's home life can be a little perfunctory, uh, especially when you have like someone like Queen Latifah. Yeah, it's, it's no Spanglish. Sure, I don't know where you land on Spanglish, but um, <laughs> uh, that's another film, I guess, though of his uh, that's kind of like trying to blend the sensibilities. I I haven't seen that movie. In probably a decade and a half, so I don't. I don't remember if I was. Yeah, same. I, I kind of don't want to say either way because I don't really. I'd have to rewatch that one, huh? I was gonna say because I feel like people have really strong, like stronger than I would anticipate opinions about Spanglish. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I watched know that some on people. A plane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I, I watched that at like my grandparents' house during like uh, a down period. Uh, that that was just one of the movies I saw. I was like, yeah, I think that was all right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have no strong opinions, but some people do, so I don't know. But um yeah, I think this is a uh, worth a watch. There you go. There you go. Let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game then. Um sure. let's see what the critics have to say. So we have 105 reviews counted. What do you think it has on the tomato meter? Uh 79%. Nope. Is it higher yeah. or lower? It's probably higher. Okay. One more guess. Uh 85%. Still higher, 91%. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, how much higher will you go? I, I just wanted to find out. Yeah, 91%. Critics are taking one look at this, and they're like, layup. Um, okay. Sure. Audience score. We have fewer than 50 verified ratings. So this one's a little touchier. I don't know if this is going to be uh, as uh, consolidated, I guess, or as easy to trust. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because uh, if someone certainly like a Sandler fan is expecting this to be more of a comedy they might be underwhelmed I think there's funny stuff in this but it's not like it's not an outrageous movie or anything the comedy is a little bit more natural you know conversational I guess um I'm gonna say I think most people but you know like I said people like sports movies it's easy to get uh you know into them so I'm gonna say 82 percent nope higher or lower uh lower higher 92 percent Oh, okay. Higher than the critics. Yeah. I, I guess, Will Ashton, you do not have your, your finger on the pulse for Hustle, but uh, maybe you'll have better luck in Letterboxd. How about that? Okay. So we have 39,000 logs on Letterboxd. It's kind of wild. Jurassic Park has 58. This has 39. Not that far apart, but okay. <laughs> well, um, it's more accessible on Netflix. Exactly. So. Exactly. All right. Zero to And this five. also, uh, I think this came out before Jurassic World. To uh, yeah. A few days before, at least. Yeah. Uh, okay, so average rating zero to five. What do you think? Uh, 3.4. Higher or lower? Uh, probably slightly higher. Yeah, it is slightly higher. 3.6. Oh, that was my second guess. Oh, yeah, sure it was. <laughs> now, this one Charlie originally did like. He gave it four stars. How about that? Yeah, it makes um, sense. Yeah, very Charlie movie. I, I bet like 
Corey Woodruff is like rewatching it as we speak. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, I don't know if we're allowed to say this or not, but speaking of father figures, we found out uh, Charlie's going to be a dad soon. Which I feel like that's his news to tell, Will Ashton. <laughs> uh, you, want, you can cut that off if you don't want to. Uh, I'm keeping it in. I'm okay. going to tell him what you did. <laughs> okay. I mean, um, I apologize, Charlie, for listening. If I uh, He posted it on social media. I, think. I was going like, to say, that's why I thought... If but I bet he Twitter, wants to sell thought, the listeners. He probably had an opening joke. He probably was oh, going to do I a see. whole thing about it. But it's fine. It's fine. Well, it's one of those things where, I mean, if you post something like that on only on Facebook, I'm like, okay, that's private. That's for your, your friends and family. That's but when you want Twitter. That's, that's the world. You want everyone to know. He was. Sure. I mean, he he made a literal blockbuster announcement. So like, you can, <laughs> you go, yeah. If you're curious yeah. what we mean by that, you can check out his Twitter. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Follow everybody on Twitter that we've talked about. Yeah. Follow you. Follow me. I guess David Sims if you want. Might sure. As well. you, you get. You might even get a viral tweet or two from me one of these days. Who yeah, knows? you're riding high on that. You. <laughs> Your your Pinocchio tweet. Where, where is it at now? Sixty eight thousand likes. Uh, let me check. But your biggest tweet of all time. Um, everybody's quite proud easy. of you. Say again. Uh, I said quite easily my uh, highest tweet of all time. Yeah, sixty eight thousand uh, likes. It's getting close to a certain number. Yeah, it's a great tweet. If you, if your <laughs> listeners, if you're like, well, what could it possibly be? It's a, making fun of Pinocchio. So that's all we'll tell you for now. But all right, so that's that's all we got time for. Today, obviously, plenty of other movies coming out. We'll be talking about Lightyear on the next episode of the show, and it may, maybe something, a few other things we can fit them in. We'll see what happens. But sure. uh, yeah, Lightyear. Yeah, what else? Could is, be uh, seeing that on Wednesday. Yeah, let's see. Uh, so I know. Yeah, we're both seeing that on Wednesday. I think. Good luck to you, Leo Grande is coming out on Hulu this week. Oh, already? I thought I thought it was uh, a little bit later in the summer. That sounds good. Uh, isn't that the seventeenth? Is that? Uh, Friday, I don't remember. Right? So I, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I think that's coming out. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. I think you saw that Sundance. Yeah, good movie. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I didn't. I missed that one. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm looking forward to you checking it out. I think it'll be an interesting watch. And uh, yeah, I, I'm so curious about Lightyear. I, I genuinely like we're both going to be seeing it around the same time. I feel like this is this could go either way. So we'll see what happens. But OK, that's it. That's all we have for you on this week's show. We'll see you next week from the Internet California. I'm John Negroni. And for you in Pennsylvania, I'm Washington. See you next time. All right, I gotta go.